The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. And a good afternoon to you all. It's my privilege to have recently attended the D6 conference in South Orlando. It was a fantastic time. I got to meet a bunch of people and do a lot of interviews. I was situated right in the middle of the expo floor, and that was really exciting to get to talk to people. A lot of people I didn't know, but are really super interesting, as you're going to find out. In this first segment, Arlene Pelican and Ben Myers. Let's get to the interviews. With me right now, another author, Arlene Pelican. And uh, you said it rhymes with candy cane. That's right. It's a little hard on the eyes. You're not really sure what to do with it, but it rhymes with candy cane. Now, you're one of many authors that are at this uh, conference. And first of all, just give us, if you will, uh, kind of a quick recap what your thoughts are about D6. Oh, I cannot say enough about D6 and how necessary it is for the health of the family. So if you care about the family, then D6 is a wonderful place, ministry to support that is very focused on discipleship, focus on how do we raise up the next generation to know God, and you just sense God's unit, like the unity of the body of Christ, you know, different organizations, all with the same purpose that could be seen as competitors, but instead, you know, are co-collaborers, you know, and people learning from each other. It's one of my favorite conferences that I go to as a speaker. It's been a wonderful time, and I'm surprised at what I would consider to be the high percentage of people that are here that have written books. Uh, It seems to be that that is growing in uh, a lot of people, uh, the the need to kind of pass on Mm -hmm. to others. Sure. And and obviously the next generation as well. But to pass on what they've learned and what they're walking through right now. Yeah. And you're one of those. How many books have you written? I have nine books. Nine (laughs) books. And you're pretty... Harvest House Publishers and Moody. And so I've written about everything from 31 days to a happy husband to parents rising to screen kids and grandparenting screen kids those two are co-authored with dr gary chapman wow it's wonderful and it is really nice to meet you and uh, you know you think about the work that you've done i i love the names that you've mentioned already both moody and, and dr chapman is just amazing that what you're doing what you're doing and the church i know would say thank you for the amount of resources that you and the collective group here at D6 are bringing to the church. It's putting a lot on the table. And we, uh, we, it's up to us now to digest all of that that's on the table. Yeah. And that's going to be, I think, a real, what is going to be the real difference maker for those that are attending this conference. Uh, when you look at this issue, you've mentioned it already, screen time. Right. That is a phrase that has come into play yeah. in a in a way that uh, we never understood it before. Maybe 15 years ago, you know, it would be like, what is this about? And right. now it's like, wow, there's nothing that is not touched by this. Yeah. And it is a huge shift. 
And it really, you know, sometimes we think of progress as it's moving forward. So we think, oh, this technology is moving us forward. But really, progress is going forward to a place that we want to be, where we, we're trying to bring our families. And in that way, technology really has set us backward. Because I agree with completely. a lot of kids yeah. and their families, whether their parents or their grandparents, instead of connecting to one another in a home, we are becoming more and more, it's more normal to connect to your device in the home. And everybody, mom is on one thing, dad is watching sports, kid number one is playing video games, kid number two is watching their favorite cartoon, and kid number three has got the earbuds in with music. And everyone is has their own personalized entertainment system. Mm -hmm. So we're amused, we're happy, we're not in quote-unquote trouble, but we're not connecting to each other. And that's that's going to make a difference. That's that's why we see so many problems. So this is not an anti-screen type message, but it is look at that phone, that tablet with a huge caution tape, especially when it comes to kids. And if you follow normal practices, you will probably be led astray. So you kind of have to be a little bit counterculture in this. And I speak from experience that it can be done. I live in San Diego. I've got a senior in high school, a sophomore in high school, a seventh grader, no social media, no video games, no smartphones. You know, we have lots of technology. So they have editing software, you know, they play music. My son does 3D printing. So we have desktop computers. They have laptops from school ever since seventh grade. So it's not that they don't have technology, but there are specific things that we have seen. This is not going to be helpful for you. Social media, video games, a personal device that is right in your pocket, like what I call digital candy, that you can reach into any time of the day. And that's just a lot of weight for a child to try to figure out how to use that. So for us, the equation has been, let's take out the hardware, and it's really been a, really a wonderful ride. Now, I think a lot of parents who are hearing you say that, you have these uh, teenagers yeah. in California. Public school. And it's a public school. And so California would be one of the the states. That I think most people, and rightly so, would say, yeah, the kids there are alert, they're aware, they're right. up to date on things. Yeah. And if there's any one thing that most of them in the world would be up to date on, it would be that whole thing of having your own iPhone. Uh, and it's got to be an iPhone 12 or later. And it's right. going to have all of, all of the games and all of this. And you're saying to your kids, none of that. Yeah. And I think a lot of parents are going to look at that and say, how, first of all, how did you get there? Yeah. And B, what was the kid's uh, response yes. when you did that? Oh, this is, I love these questions. So during the pandemic, since we we're all quartered at home, I actually did a documentary where I asked them, you know, what has it been like being the only one in your class without a phone or social media? So you can go to happyhomeuniversity.com to watch that. It could be free or with a donation. So happyhomeuniversity.com. You can see with your own eyes and hear with your own ears. And these are real, not staged. These are real. These are not paid actors. Although I think I did pay them $25 each to be in my movie. (laughs) That is funny, Early. But they really, I think it was part of it from the time they were young. We told them, like, this is what it's going to be like. So they had that expectation. And then we've grown up. We're a fun family. You know, we talk. We love each other. We do things. You know, so it's not like we sit around and do nothing. So they see, like, oh, you can have interests and and be involved in life. So they have a lot of life outside of the phone. So the phone isn't everything. Like, oh, if you don't let Mm -hmm. us have that, we won't have anything. So that's part of it is building a life outside of that phone and then as they've gotten older they really have come back you know my daughter Noelle when she was in ninth grade 
she had said to me, you know what, Mom? Someone came up to me and said, you're really lucky. And she said, why? And she said, because you're not addicted to this, you know? And Noelle was like, I really admire that girl that she could see it and even admit it to me. And since then, she has even told me, because she's not allowed to have social media. You know, she's 15 years old. She's a sophomore. She's responsible, but she's not allowed. And she'll say, you know what, Mom? I'm glad that you don't allow me because I can see how much time it wastes. She's like, she loves playing tennis. And she's like, I'm so busy as it is with my hobbies and with tennis. I don't know how people do it. So if your kids can see from a time perspective, a health perspective, as she sees that so many people are anxious, they're depressed around her. She doesn't have that weighing on her. Why? Because she doesn't have this constant feed that, that, that's in her mind. So I think your kids, they might, you know, maybe if they're young, you can set them up this way. Are they going to be different? They sure are. But prepare them for that. Like you might be the only one, but guess what? They're going to be like really healthy and happy. Like it's possible. And if you've already given that phone, it might be an apology. Like, you know what? We noticed that, that you know, you, you've been more withdrawn lately, that you haven't played soccer for a long time, or we really miss seeing your smile. Why don't we do a two-week experiment together? And we'll do it too. Like we won't go on social media. We won't watch the news. We won't do that. And together we'll take a two-week reset and let's just see how we feel. Now, your daughter or son isn't going to be like, oh, I'm so glad you did that. You know, they're going to be like, you're the meanest person ever. We're already yeah, so right. strict. And you're now you're even more strict. That's right. But just you got to take it, decide, be the parent, and do it. And then at the end of that two weeks, your child may not admit it, but they will be relieved. They will be like, wow, that, that was actually better for me. I don't think anybody, and this would be true not only for kids, I think it's also true for adults. Yeah. We don't realize just this issue of being addicted that you mentioned earlier. Uh, addictions, they, they can happen so naturally. Yeah. You think you're okay. You know, and I think, that, I think of the book in Revelation in the Bible where it, it talks about the church of Laodicea. Yeah. And they think they're doing great. But they don't realize they, they're naked. That slow drift. They have this, drifted yeah. to the point that they are not where they think they are. And how true, if that's true of our kids, it is multiplied true with adults. Right, because all these same things of us filling our time, you know, a moment where we might have thought about something, reflected on something, or we might have prayed out to God like, Lord, I, I do pray for so-and-so. Now what do we do in those times? We look down at our phone. And we check our email or we check the news. Or we just, we're the same way that we've built these habits that we really need to untrain ourselves and, and kind of get back in those places where yeah. there is space without any phones. It really is uh, a sad thing to go to a restaurant and look around the, uh, the dining room and see families, but they're not engaged. Right. They're not talking. Every one of them, dad included, face down looking at the screen. And that is one of the sad, I believe, icons of our culture right now. Yeah, you think of those Norman Rockwell paintings mm -hmm. and what yeah. he would have painted and that that's how that might have looked. Oh, my goodness. Well, what's ahead for you, Arlene? Well, you know, I have these master classes that are kind of go deeper with the book. So as people, I think sometimes when you're alone, you're not sure, like, what do I do next? Like, I believe this. I want less screens in my life. But what do I do? So I've developed a class that you could go through by yourself. It's a video course. And then you say, how ironic, you know, but we talk about <laughs> digital vegetables and digital candy. I promise you're not going to be waking up at three o'clock in the morning. thinking, I've got to watch that one more course of Arlene. Don't worry. It's going to be just fine. So things to learn, you know, those are digital vegetables. And so all that 
that to say you can watch that in a small group with a church by yourself, and that's at happyhomeuniversity.com. The book is Screen Kids, and it's simply the Screen Kids Masterclass. Arlene Pellicane, thank you for dropping by. It's really great to hear. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's been wonderful. Very, uh, not only entertaining, you're fun to listen to. But thank you for those words and for the direction that I, I know you're giving your own kids, but you're giving them way beyond your own family. So thank you. Thank you so much. God bless. With Ben Myers right now from Actors Bible. Now, this is a a title that I've never heard before. And so it's very intriguing. Tell me about that. Thank you so much, Mike. Um, So Actors Bible is the entire Bible as a script. It scrolls on your phone or on smart TV or computer laptop, whatever. Uh, You just go to actors.bible and it's the entire Bible as a script, 62 acts, 806 scenes. And it gives you all the visuals of where the Holy Land, uh, visuals of the Bible stories took place. It gives you sound effects, cues, everything for the Bible to come to life. And it even has questions uh, to really dive into the characters and and, uh, so that you can apply the word of God to your heart and what you can obey. Now this is audio and video or just audio? It's an app that includes visuals of the Holy Lands in 360 mm-hmm. and vi- video, um, audio as well, too. Yeah. Wow, that is wonderful. And this is something, is it relatively new or have you? It is, yeah. About two years ago, we uh, started using it at our theater base in Philadelphia and working with families and, and young ones there. And then we've now made it available as we continue to develop it. But most of the Bible is done. You can use the entire Bible now, but we're loading in more like audio dramas of professional actors doing the scene so you can listen to it right before you do the the role play yourself um yeah so in development but but it's definitely usable and and um tons of content even now now i'm i'm assuming that you're an actor yourself right yeah so i started uh, acting doing ministry uh, street evangelism, theatrical productions at our churches. And then I came to Philadelphia to work with uh, urban families using the arts to act their way through the Bible. And so we did that for a while. Um, for about 10 years, hundreds and hundreds of young people were dropped off to us. And then we started to notice that 60% of them approximately were leaving the faith after they left our program and they're going into college and we're like, what's going on? And, and as I became a father around the same time, the Lord really was convicting me of my ways mm-hmm. and I could no longer live in hypocrisy anymore, but now my sins would impact my daughter to the fourth generation. And so that the fear of the Lord, you know, came upon me and, and I really was thrust into God's word as a young father. And I read it from Genesis to Revelations, nine months of her being delivered into the world. So was I, uh, and well, delivered into new life in the Lord. And as a father now, I, the Lord began to speak to me about my role. I'm supposed to be leading my family in regular times in God's word, family worship. I was hearing this word. What is this? How do I do this? I don't know. And so, you know, as I found out, it's just praying a prayer, reading a text, singing a song. It's like, I could do this. So I tried to do it. And it was horrible with my young family. I had three at the <laughs> time. My wife was distracted. I had kids that were having bathroom situations, whatever. So I was like, help God. And he said, cast parts like you do in the theater ministry. So I was like, okay, you're Abraham, you're Sarah, you're 
lot. You're the animals, you're the sheep. And the Bible came to life every single time. And I would just ask, what did you learn about God's character? What did you learn about the other characters? What will you obey from the story? And we would just do that. And as a young family, role-playing our way through the scriptures. And I was being transformed. My wife was being transformed, our children. So we're like, we have to put this into an app. And so we began to use it with families in the inner city there in Philadelphia. And we saw impact. And as well, we put it into an app. Now it's available for anyone to use. That is wonderful. And, you know, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. When I've been a part of VBS in the past, and there's something about children getting to dress up or getting to mm. read the lines mm-hmm. of the Bible story mm. that not only is it fun for them, mm-hmm. but it really changes their lives. It, they remember what they did yeah. in that moment. So it, right. this is really a, a way to cast a memory that's going to be with them forever. That's right. And we have so many media things that are buying for our children's attention. And so how much more do we want to have the word of God in the this generation's uh, heart language, which is the phone, which is visuals, sounds, and participational experiences of reading God's word and stepping into that story and really understanding that we've been casted apart to play as well. Um, and so... That's exciting when when dads discover their role, that they're to play. Children discover their wives discover their part to play. Jew, Gentile, yeah. God's story isn't done. It's it's awesome and yeah, never ending, always creative, always capturing. Mm. If we just open mm. our eyes and our hearts and our ears to mm. it, Amen. That's really great. What are you hoping to have? happen at this uh, conference this week? Yeah, we're just get spreading the word about Actors Bible, just um, marketing it now. My family is touring in an RV, so I have um, my seven small children, my wife and I and, and our uh, assistant, and we travel around to conferences and churches, and so we'll come in and we'll help fathers get a vision for leading their families using the Actors Bible, and at our workshop today, we'll actually do one uh, mm-hmm. and show how it works, and every, everybody will be a part of the feeding of the 5,000 today oh, man. Uh, story using Actors Bible. Yeah, you you have to uh, be on the lookout for people from Chosen, man. They may be, <laughs> they may be looking for some uh, ideas and some, yeah, <laughs> some cast members here. We actually leave here to go to Israel where we'll be filming uh, 12 episodes of My Family using Actors Bible, acting out the stories in the locations where they actually happen, and then we'll start bringing other families along with us. Now, you talk same. about making memories. That's going to be a memory Amen. right there. Amen. My word. Yeah. That's so much fun. Ben Myers, thank you for dropping by today. Yeah, and if anyone wants to know where to find more information about Actors Bible, it's simply www.actors.bible, and they can try it out for free. Actors.bible. And that's, that's it. That's it. Dot Bible no, is the domain. That is the domain. Yep. That is the extension. Actors Dot Bible. I, I didn't even know that Bible was an extension on that, but yeah. learned something new on that one. Thank yeah. you for dropping by, thanks Ben. Thanks so much, Mike. Many thanks to Arlene Pellicane and Ben Myers for being with me in segment one. Coming up in segment two, Denise Pass and Carl Barnhill. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Here at the D6 conference, D6 standing for Deuteronomy 6 a passage that really speaks to the issues at hand for this conference. And that really is parenting. It's uh, put out by the company uh, Randall House, which is a, a company that loves parents and loves children. And children's ministry, parents, all of that's being met here today at this conference. Denise Pass is one of the main speakers. 
and one of the breakout session speakers as well. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here and thrilled to be here on your podcast as well. Well, this is great. It's actually a radio cast becoming a podcast. Oh, so, awesome. Yeah, you're, okay. uh, this is going to be on, on terrestrial as well. So we are uh, just really excited to be a part of this. Up until this year, I was not that familiar with this, this conference, but it's been going on now for a couple of years. I had a chance to talk to Derek Altum. And that was a, a really great experience. Mm. But this conference draws people like you. You're an author. You're a coach. You, you speak. You are involved in your own local church. Tell us about why it is that you are here. Well, I wrote this book that just came out last week with my co-author, Michelle Niedert, and it's called Make Up Your Mind. And the goal of the book is to help people to recognize the negative mindsets that we so easily adopt You know, there's a narrative going through our minds and we don't often know how to take those thoughts captive and how to walk in the mind of Christ. And so I really felt the Lord putting on my heart that I needed to write a book and to research. And so I'm pursuing a Ph.D. at Liberty University right now. And the the goal is really to understand what does the Bible have to say about mindsets and how can we affect them? You know, we are told to have the mind of Christ. We have it. And so why are so many not walking in that? That's a great question. And really, when you get right down to it, the culture, which is obviously post-Christian right now, Mm. a lot of the leaders who are trying to lead the way in education, in our universities, obviously pushing this mindset, uh, to pardon the pun, uh, a mindset of no God in the equation at all. And when you remove God from that equation, you remove the real standard that really describes how we should train our minds to think. Yes. You know, there's a propaganda going through our minds and we don't recognize it. Yeah. We believe our thoughts because there are thoughts intuitively that make sense. This is something I thought this is, as we hear today in our culture, my truth. But the problem and the real crux of the message is that we're setting our mind on things of this earth, not on things above which we remember that Jesus rebuked Peter for doing. But at the end of the day, we are believing our thoughts and not believing God's. And so we need to submit our thoughts, even thoughts like, I'll never stop being depressed or I'll never stop struggling. That's a lie. That's not what God's word says about us. He has an abundant life for us, but we don't believe that. And so if we would lay down our negative narrative that's going Mm -hmm. on in our minds and pick up what God has to say, we would recognize that we'd walk in victory there. Well, that's a big call. It's a big order for a lot of people because sometimes you are talking to people now that have been in that mindset for many, many years, maybe could be their entire life. Yes. What, what do you do? What's the starting place for a person like that? Great question. A lot of times, as to your point, mindsets are over time, like we have thoughts and they become fixed in our mind, a mindset. Phronea is the Greek word that we see in the New Testament used. And and it's very strong. It's like a stronghold. And I really believe uh, in my final chapter, a little bit of a sneak peek, I get to what people need to do is repent. Now you may say, well, that sounds so simple, but we don't recognize that our negative mindsets are sinful because they are unbelief at the core, their unbelief in what God says. Mm -hmm. And so if we will come and acknowledge our negative mindsets before God and say, Lord, please forgive me. And we repent of it. That unlocks that mindset. And that's the goal of the book is to help people unlock the mindset so that they can have the mind of Christ. How long was this book in the works? 
you know, for years, uh, like a few years of just really praying over it and starting to craft the message and um, a lot of intense research, um, which is one reason why I pursued a master's degree and now a doctorate degree, because I just really, really want to understand this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I believe sometimes we can sell ourselves short. We can say, oh, yeah, I believe that God says that, but not for me. Mm-hmm. And, and so we, it isn't belief. If we aren't really acting It's not a it. functional belief. Right. And I think that's the big thing, isn't it? It's getting people past what they think they believe and what they actually walk their lives out. That's something that I see is a real uh, threat and a real hindrance to people. They don't live what they say they believe in. I mean, th- that's all of us. We are, that's a, that's a trait of humanity, mm-hmm. but we've got to see and we've got to believe and we've got to do that. So this is really the unveiling of your book this week, right? Yes, it is. And I'm really excited because the testimonies I've been hearing as I've been traveling and speaking and people getting saved, people saying, my whole life, this is the piece I've been missing. Mm. Like I've believed my thoughts over God's. And it's a belief system check. And see, here's the good news. It isn't just a good work like, oh, I can't do it good enough. No, it's an acknowledgement that I can't. And bringing that to God and repenting and saying, Lord, here's my struggle. We can keep coming back to him. Let me put on your thoughts. Now, how do we put on his thoughts if Mm -hmm. we're not in his word? So we do participate in this. We've got to be in his word. And as it says in Ephesians 4.23, we've got to let the spirit renew our thoughts. Mm Mm-hmm. He's able to do that. We can't do it in our own strength. And so there is this um, need to ask God for help, but we position ourselves, you know, by saturating our mind with his thoughts. Much about this conference will be aimed at parents. Mm. What message do you have for parents right now of kids who are being influenced by social Mm. media, Mm. their friends at school? What are you saying to them? Well, we definitely have got to be, you know, sometimes depending on how much time parents have with their kids. I homeschooled for 23 years, have five kids, and my youngest is now 18 and, you know, all walk with the Lord, praise God. Mm -hmm. But it was a fight. And, you know, I uh, did not uh, let them just have their cell phones in their rooms. I did not, you know, 17 years old was around the age they got a cell phone because I knew it's a very addictive device. Yeah, it is. And we need to be wise. And, and I think we need to knit our hearts to our kids so that it isn't just external behavior that we're seeking to affect. They need to understand our heart, and then they have buy-in. If we just tell them, you can't do this, you can't do that, it's trying to get them to understand our heart toward them and then see the biblical principle and help them to see the big picture. Mm. Uh, otherwise, kids will rebel if it's, well, this is what I want to do, and you're not letting me do it. Mm-hmm. And so we need to help them understand That's really great advice. Denise Pass, uh, the book is called Make Up Your Mind, available, I'm sure, at Amazon and all those places, right? Yep. So, And you can go on to makeupyourmind.today, and you'll see there, we would like to give you some free downloads if you purchase the book. And um, just also there's a quiz on there, so you can determine what is your chief negative mindset. And this isn't to put you in a box, but it's to help you to identify it, and then we will provide you tools to help you get out of it. That's the kind of uh, tools that I think a lot of us could really use. And mm-hmm. because we have these things called blind spots. And I had a friend one time that said they're called blind spots because we can't see them. <laughs> they're, yes. they're in our eyes, but we need help. And tools like what you're talking about could be a resource mm-hmm. that opens up these negative mindset thoughts that really affect us more than we believe. Yes. 
Exactly. And my hope is that as people have had these aha moments, it's so beautiful to see. Uh, Just this past two weeks ago, I had someone come up to me and say that they used to be homosexual lifestyle and that what I just said just undid it for them. It was just this moment of saying, wow, I have been thinking this is what I am. And that was a lie. That's not what God says about me. Right. And see, this could apply to everything because we all believe false narrative in our mind and what, what the enemy puts in. And we have to be willing to examine those in line of Scripture. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. And boy, does he love to pervert the truth and the word that we need to be believing in our mind so we can have our minds renewed. Denise, thank you for stopping by. Thank you so much. It's great to see you. Great to meet you. Best wishes on your book. Thank you. God bless. Mm-hmm. What a wonderful privilege to be real mates here at the uh, Expo Center. I'm talking about booth mates now with Carl Barnhill. Yeah. With 1230 Kids. Now, I'm intrigued by the name. I've seen the name before. Yeah. Uh, A youth ministry, obviously, to children and a a plan for kids uh, involvement. There's so many unique ways that the gospel is being shown to families and to children at this D6 conference. Carl, tell yeah. me about 1230. Yeah, so uh, thank you for having me on, Mike. And uh, man, it's been a pleasure to be right beside you in the booth. And over here, I've been uh, eavesdropping the entire conference on your interviews. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, and I know that you, you've aired some already, and it's just a, amazing content from everybody here. So thank you for letting me uh, uh, be a, a part of that and, and eavesdrop. Uh, so our, our ministry is 1230 Media for Adults, and then this is our kids' arm, 1230 Kids. And we're a media company. So, uh, And I'll tell you about where 1230 came from in a, in a moment. But uh, the, we're a media company that helps in the ready-made space. So it's pre-made media content like countdowns and mini-movies and full series kits for pastors. You know, where a pastor knows how to write a sermon and do his teaching content, but doesn't know how to make videos and graphics. We make that completely for them from scratch. Uh, and put it in a library that they can go on and get either individually or by subscription. Um, So that's for adult uh, church, big church. And then this is our kids brand where kids can, uh, kids, pastors and leaders can come and find games, countdowns, mini movies, backgrounds for worship, all the media content that they would need to help in their kids' worship experience. Now, a lot of these kinds of elements, assets, as you will, are included in things like vacation Bible schools as well. But you're talking about something that a pastor can use for any given Sunday. That's right. Any given Sunday school lesson yeah. uh, or any particular outreach to children. Yeah, so in the kids' space, it's really a complement or a supplement to your curriculum. So if you're using a curriculum, we're going to come in beside it, and let's say if your curriculum is you're studying Noah, for instance, you can go into our library and find a quick video all, all about the story of Noah to help reinforce your lesson. Mm-hmm. Or it will supplement where your, your curriculum might not include a countdown or a game Uh, You can come to our library and find those additional elements that's not necessarily the meat lesson, but it's those, you know, hey, let's settle the kids down, watch a game, and then go into our lesson. Or it's a Bible trivia countdown that can play on the screen as kids are coming into your space. Hmm. Things like that. It uses the digital 
uh, you know, media to engage kids as they're in the room. How old is this uh, company? So Twelve Thirty Media is seven years old. We launched in 2015. So I've served in several large churches. I was on staff at Precept Ministries International, which is Kay Arthur's uh, uh, ministry. I directed her TV and radio program for for years, and then two large churches. Most recently, New Spring Church uh, in South Carolina where I was the media guy. I was the the content creator for these two churches. And I served one church in in Mississippi that was a church of about 15,000 or so on Sunday, five campuses, and I was the only media guy. I was it. I was the only content creator for Sunday. And I I, I was completely overloaded, Uh, you know, between testimony videos and bumper videos and graphics and all kinds of stuff. You know, uh, you would think that it would be a full team, but it was just me. And I I started to realize, and God began to lay it on my heart, that if a church of this size is not going to bring on a full team, there's no way a church of 200, 300 is going to bring on a guy like me. They don't have the income for it. The money for it, the resources for it. So how can churches... That are, that are small or of any size have quality content, media content for their, uh, for their services. And the ironic thing is, Carl, everybody right now, every church, really most every church in the United States uh, got baptized into doing video whether they had it Absolutely. planned or not mm-hmm. because of the pandemic. That's right. That's right, they did. And so I, I'll get back to our name. So our name, 1230, comes from Mark... 1230, when Jesus was talking about the greatest commandment of loving God, loving people. And the point of it is we can have amazing media content. We can dive into video and use video and and digital means to reach people. But at the end of the day, if it's not about life change, if it's not about seeing people uh, saved, coming to know, uh, you know, with a, a relationship with Jesus Christ and growing and being discipled and loving him and loving others, then there's no point. I mean, we should just wrap it up. Uh, I don't want to do that if the goal is not life change. Uh, And so we can help you make an incredible worship experience. We have training material. We have media content. But it's really about you seeing life change in your local community. From digital uh, content standpoint, it's almost like you guys are the Morrison's Cafe of all of the options. You can come and you can choose. That's right. You can pick as little as you want. Yes. Or you can go as deep as you want in there. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we have uh, nine product lines on our adult site and 10 product lines we add games to the to the kids site so yeah you can go onto the site to any one of those product lines mini movies and countdowns and games and all sorts of things uh, and pick and choose one thing you know we, we sell graphics for three dollars five dollars videos for ten dollars so it's really affordable mm-hmm, yeah or you can do a subscription and kind of just get the whole library okay yeah and that's 33 dollars a month so we're trying to really make it affordable for churches to have quality content. Uh, that sounds just absolutely amazing. Now, going back to these things called mini-movies, yeah. tell me about that. Yeah, so mini-movies are like if you were to walk into a worship experience and if you play a countdown, you could go right into a mini-movie that could be used as a worship opener. 
you know, we could talk, use scripture and use a different text to draw people into worship. Okay, we're going to work. You might have come from different backgrounds. We're going to draw you into worship today. So it could be worship openers. Uh, it could be used as sermon bumpers, videos, videos to be used right before the pastor walks up. Uh, to, to deliver the message. For kids, it can be uh, videos that reinforce the lesson. I mentioned Noah's Ark. Uh, we have stuff on, you know, your identity in Christ and Bible characters and Bible stories to reinforce biblical truths. Oh, sounds so great. Carl, thank you so much for dropping by. 1230 Kids, give us the contact. Yeah, 1230kids.com is the kids' website, 1230kids.com. And then 1230.media uh, is our adult site. So we, we serve both. And, Mike, thank you so much again, man, just to overhear uh, your ministry. And I have a background in radio, so we've mm-hmm. connected on that level. And, and just to really appreciate your, your ministry here in the area and beyond with the radio station. Thank you so much, Carl. It's really great to have been booth mates. Yes, sir. Thank you. I've enjoyed this conference a lot. And uh, you're just an example of the great people that are here. And more importantly, the services that you guys are providing are going to be a help to churches all across the world. Yeah. Thank you, Mike, so much. God bless. And that about wraps up segment number two. Many thanks to Denise Pass and my new friend Carl Barnhill from 1230 Kids. We'll be back in a moment with Tony Sounder. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike. With me right now is Tony Souter. Tony, welcome to the program. It is good to be here, Mike. Thank you. You know, this is great. A new person to me. I've not met you before today. What part of the country do you hail from? I hail from the scenic city of the South, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Oh, beautiful. I love it. Pass by there all the time going to Indiana. Right. That's my home. Okay. Where my hometown was Evansville. Mm-hmm. And so we oh, love that whole area. Yep. Lookout Mountain and everything is right. gorgeous. And that lake that you have there. Yep. Oh, is that Alatoona? Is that? No, no, that's that's closer to Atlanta. Okay. It's uh, the What's Chickamauga. Chick- that's it. Chickamauga. Chickamauga. Yeah. I, I, I uh, see that one every time I go, and there's almost always a boat, and it makes me just right. want to get a little air in the hair, you yeah. know? <laughs> my, my, my mother-in-law wants to call it the Chimichanga Lake, but it's, it's the Chickamauga. The, the Chickamauga. All right. Tony, tell me about what you're here at D6 for. Well, our ministry is uh, comes alongside of churches and helps every young person uh, in the church have what we call the relational resources they need to flourish in faith and life. I don't know. I mean, you probably know the, resor- the research that shows that a whole host of young people are disengaging from the church. Yeah, and deconstructing. Yes. Um, but those that many people don't know that those that stay connected to the church and flourish in their faith tend to be marked by having multiple adult believers investing in their life. And so the ministry that I represent is called the Pray For Me campaign, and it's designed to help every young person in the church to invite three adults from three different generations to pray for them for a year. And the whole goal is that that we're really trying to transform their experience with the body of Christ. Um, Many young people that are disengaging um, tend to look at the church as an institution. And it's easy to leave an institution. It's hard to leave a family. That's well said. Let's pause on that one point for a moment. Going back to those kids that are leaving, a lot of these kids that are are leaving are from very prominent families, very uh, connected into Mm -hmm. the church. 
uh, kind of networking families. And, and yet, it seems that a lot of these kids are willingly and knowingly walking out of the truth that, that has protected them, that they yeah. grew up under. And it, it isn't, it, it, to me, it's a head scratcher. It is a head scratcher, but it, in some ways it's not, Mike. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine just recently, and, and I say that, you know, as adults, when we walk through the church, if we've been in the church for a while, um, we know that the people we're walking past, if something goes south in our life, they go, something goes wrong, they're there to help us. Uh, they're going to step into our lives and bring stability and help and hope um, like the body of Christ is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, a young person, when they're walking through the church, they just see a sea of adults that they don't know. And so unless we're able to transform um, their experience with those adults and help them to create these natural and winsome intergenerational relationships, then they're not going to experience the adult, the, the church the way that I think God intended to as the family of God, the very body of Christ. Do you think it's culture, the, our culture today, that would have contributed to that blocking of those relationships, transgenerationally speaking? Is that a real, is that what did it, or is it just neglect? You know, so, so I think that culturally... Um, there's been more and more uh, segmenting of society, and um, and that there's just a uh, in some ways there's an ignorance on the, the part of a young person to know what what goodness is walking by them in the church when they're walking by these adults, um, what those adults uh, have to offer, mm-hmm. and so because we the culture has created this like uh, blinders for a young person on what's really important. And so part of that, part of what we're trying to do is how do we, how do we reshape that so that they can experience a relationship with an adult that's not just in the youth ministry. We, we, we are absolutely for what's happening in youth ministries when it's healthy and vibrant and, and you've got great volunteers that are investing in, in young people. Um, but there, we also know that that's not enough because we have more support, more resources um, than ever before for youth ministry, children's ministry, and parent ministry than ever before in the history of mankind. But we're still losing mm-hmm. a large majority of young people. So we have to do, I think, what what I call the foundational things. There, one foundational thing is prayer mm-hmm. that roots us with each other and with God. And then the other foundational thing is actually creating these relationships um, that give stability and give hope um, and allow um, what I the one of my favorite passages one Psalm 145 4 one generation will commend your works to another and declare your mighty acts I the verse before that verse 3 talks about the greatness of God we're talking about the greatness of God so I in some ways I call it the sharing the greatness what we've experienced with God in our in scripture life and creation with a young person yeah, I, this thing of a tie-in with at least three, you said, three relationships that would be transgenerational, maybe old, right. older friends. Uh, I don't know that I've heard that being a, a specific uh, factor in why some of these people stay in the church. But that's what you're saying is that oh, yeah. it is just a glue that keeps them in, in a otherwise environment where people could just skip out and leave because it is hard to leave a family. Right. When you're, when you're walking through a group of people that you're kind of anonymous with, it's easy to just drift off. Mm. Um, and there's a whole 
a host of research that's been done, whether it's by Barna or a group with Fuller Youth Institute called Sticky Faith, and they would say that they looked at, uh, there was 13 key areas that were influential on whether a young person stayed connected to the church and, and their faith or not. But by far, intergenerational relationships was the, the leader in why they stayed. Hmm. Now, the big hindrance to a lot of these kids is the age-old thing of, first of all, pure dependency uh, with what it, what their friends are doing is often uh, looked at with a lot of importance to these kids. Absolutely. And that's been built up by this whole thing of social media. So what do you see happen with these kids that hang around and they're still in the church? Are they as connected as the other kids who aren't? Uh, with regards to social media, or, or have they separated themselves some from that as well? Well, I, the it, social media is is basically the air that our culture breathes now. So the, almost almost whether across generational lines, um, I mean it it, it lessens the older that we a person gets, but. The social media is such a strong piece of what's happening in the world. But um, one of the things we are seeing is that those that you're not, we're not going to get rid of social media. I mean, it's just it's here yeah, to it stay. Seems like it's, it's here. It seems like it's here to stay. Yeah. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I'm not a prophet. I, it seems like it's here to stay. Very good, good terms there. Um, and so a lot of it is is trying to come alongside of young people. Um, with adult relationships in a way that that neutralizes the pull or the divisive aspect of social media. And so uh, because what we're really, again, I mentioned that we were trying to transform a young person's experience with the church or with mm-hmm. adults. Um, when that happens and young, young people on social media or in other settings are saying, why are you going back to church? Well, we want it to be unthinkable for a young person to say, why wouldn't I go? These are the people that have loved me and cared for me as I've grown up. Um, why, why would I stiff arm them when the, all they've shown me is love? Um, but that's something that has to change. That's part of the pieces that we're, we're trying to kind of speak into and create a platform where a young person's experience with the church is one of relational uh, goodness hmm. um, towards them. Now, for these that are older, that can be these wonderful factors in young people's lives, speaking into them. Uh, obviously, there's got to be vision for that on their part as well. How do you speak to that? Yeah, that's a great question, Mike. The What we've found over the years is that adults care about the next generation, but most of the time they don't know how to get there. They hmm. don't know how to bridge that gap. And young people love to be cared for by adults, but they don't know how to get there. And so the Pray For Me campaign really makes it easy for an adult who cares for a young person. Um, We take the most basic aspect of the Christian life, prayer. And we empower a young uh, adult to be able to pray scripture, because I I wrote a prayer guide that helps them to pray scripture through seven essential categories, so that no matter if that young person ever gives them a a, a prayer request that's beyond, you know, a test coming up or an athletic event or some kind of activity that they're doing coming up. Um, they can pray about really, really important things from a biblical perspective that aim at the heart and the character of who this young person is mm-hmm. going to become. And so, so it really is a, is a tool to help empower and strengthen the adult's 
personal walk with God through prayer, because that's, again, it's the most basic aspect of the Christian life. If we think we're walking well with God and we're not praying well, then we're just, we're just confused. Mm. Um, at least that's the way I am when I look in the mirror and I think that I'm doing well with God, but I've been just kind of distant as far as how I've been communicating with him verbally. So every person that's listening, let's say right now, there's families that live in Central Florida, maybe even in the villages where there there are not a, a lot of young people around. There are still people in their family. There are still people in their web of influence of their friends that they can reach out to. And, and this really should give a lot of us that are older a lot of hope that we can still engage. And not only can we, but it's pretty critical that we do because that makes a big difference in the lives of these young people. Absolutely, Mike. I, one of the things that in the last, over the last two and a half years, I've been working on the, the latest of our prayer guides, and it's the Grandparent Legacy edition of the prayer guide. And so it's really designed to help grandparents sow into the lives of their grandchildren. But one of the beautiful things about prayer is that a grandparent can can sow into the present reality of their grandchildren, but they can sow into the future Mm -hmm. because prayer is not limited to us because it's rooted in God. And so when we pray, God can answer prayers that go into the future when we're gone, when we're actually with him. I mean, it's a pretty phenomenal thing to think about, Mm -hmm. but there's that a, the, the adults that are in the villages and other places that they're, they're listening right now, they can, Catch catch a vision that they can actually sow into their grandchildren's and other people's lives um, well into the future um, yeah. in a powerful way. You know, you think about that value that the Word of God places on older people, those with the gray hair, mm-hmm. those uh, like me with less hair than I used to have. I resemble that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Uh, all of that... Uh, is has been really the product of a of a culture that's telling them a lie that there's mm-hmm. not a purpose that there and, and when indeed there's a big purpose for their lives still and there are plenty of ways to sow the wisdom that God has given them freely in their life into the heart of a young person absolutely one of my favorite uh passages is psalm 71 17 and 18 it goes something like this, Mike. I'm probably not going to get it quite perfectly. But um, uh, you have taught me even from my youth, and I still declare your mighty acts. Um, even when I'm old and gray, mm-hmm. um, do not forsake me until I have declared to the next generation your greatness. Mm-hmm. So here, here he is. The psalmist sees the end in sight. It's not like he's at the beginning of his time and he thinks, I got plenty of time. But he's at the end and he's saying, give me one more opportunity to make sure that the people, that the young people that are coming up behind me understand how great you are. Mm-hmm. And I've experienced it. I've tasted, I've seen, and I have things to offer. Give me one more chance to be able to share your greatness with the, uh, the emerging generation. And you know, it is so important to realize that God, his character is often seen as the God of generations, mm. multi-generations. I mean, even the way he would identify himself, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Absolutely. I mean, there you've got three generations right there yep. that all would have been aware and they would speak so fondly of their fathers, uh, those that went before them. 
We need to have that again today. That's something that I believe a lot of people has left that message kind of gone under the rug. Right. But we need to bring it back out. Thank you for doing that. Pray For Me campaign. Yep. Give yep. us the website. It's PrayForMeCampaign.com. It's pretty straightforward. Simple. Yeah. You can go Simple. there and get uh, all the information you need to 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 apply it in your church or, or your situation. Tony Souter, thank you for being with me. My pleasure, Mike. Thank you. And that is all the time we have for today. Lots more from the D6 Conference coming up in the days to follow. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you next time right here on The Shepherd. <music>